So I was driving home from work, minding my own business. And I turned onto a street at a stow. Like you do. Like I do. Lady runs a stop sign. And like, I was crossing the intersection as she's running it. I don't have a stop sign. I don't drive with the boot on in case something happens and I need to, I hit the gas and I swerve all with my broken foot. Uh-huh. You she got another broken bone now? <laughs> I don't know. She didn't hit me. Kind of tore up somebody's like yard a little. You did? Yeah, because okay. I swerved you out were, of the way. You were defensively driving. Yeah. All right. Well, this is not a driver's ed podcast. Welcome to season nine, episode 23 of Cinema Chop Shop. This is a movie podcast that concedes that remakes are going to happen. So why shouldn't movie buffs like us decide who is recast in those iconic roles? My name is Monster Trav Island, uh-huh. a.k.a. Travilicus, yep. a.k.a. Travazilla. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm joined here in the shop by my co-host and co-producer, Invasion of the Astro Shonster, <laughs> a.k.a. Super, Sha- Super Shantae World, a.k.a. The Shonsterverse. <laughs> also in our third seat, Chop Shop Regulator, Chelsea Monster, a.k.a. Chelsific Rim. <laughs> that sounds like a fucking STI. No, it's not a job. Don't worry. Uh, and also, further description of the show, the tagline says, watch Chop Retrofit, because essentially that's what we do here. We watch older movies, sometimes they're classic films with iconic actors, and then we retrofit them by tweaking the design with new parts. Quick disclaimer, we're not actually in favor of the remake, reboot, sequel-dependent cinematic culture. We've seen that monster before. This is more of an exercise in satire and irony. We try to be funny. And sometimes we flatten Tokyo. There you go. Uh, So that brings us to our first segment, guys. This is going to be movie news. And this is where, throughout the week, we do our best to pay attention to stories that pertain to the world of cinema or the world of sequels and remakes, or maybe just stories that our listeners, you, the chop shoppers out there, might find interesting. And unfortunately, this week, we do have to start it off with an RIP. So rest in peace and rest in power to Ruthie Thompson. She was a Disney legend who worked on Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. But you were saying that her tenure actually predated that, right? Her tenure predated the foundation of Disney Studios as we know it. Okay. She just worked with Walt on various cartoons and things. She was 111. 111 years old. That's what we call a A good good run. run. And she uh, worked on nearly every Disney animated feature from Snow White through The Rescuers. Didn't The Rescuers come up recently? Bob Newhart. On the Bob Newhart episode. episode. So she was more of a like producer kind of, right? Like stage designs and stuff like that. She wasn't an animator or a voice actress, was she? I don't know. She did it all. Okay. Well, there you go. Rest in peace and rest in power to Ruthie Thompson. Next, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Will Poulter is to play Adam Warlock. Can you elaborate on this, Sean? Uh, do you remember the gold skin people in uh, Guardians 2? Oh, okay. I'm glad you added that last part because I was <laughs> thinking about alien abduction movies for a second. Adam Warlock is their champion. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that makes sense. That's why he's going to show up. And Will Poulter, um, kind of an unlikely superhero, if you ask me. Yeah, I'm curious to see what they do with that. Yeah. Uh, we've been we've had eyes on him for a while, though, like going back to We're the Millers. 
<laughs> something like that. Wasn't uh, that Will Poulter? Attack the Block. Yeah, that's right. He was in Attack the Block. Uh, and that comes to us from Deadline.com. Next. All right. This is a controversial one, guys. There's this viral video of this actor from Charleston, South Carolina, Jamie Costa. Jamie Costa is his name. And he's doing this spot-on impersonation of Robin Williams. And it's presented as test footage for a prospective biopic. Now, I watched it. Have either of you watched it? No. Okay. So, and I, I know Sean didn't. <laughs> um, it's uncanny. The impersonation is uncanny. But it's also very unsettling because he chose a moment in Robin Williams' life that was one of the most uh, tragic. It's when he finds out that his friend, John Belushi, has passed away. And so the video went viral. Everybody's like, oh, they got to do this movie. You got to make this movie. And it got like 30 million views on YouTube. And then Robin Williams' daughter responded on Twitter. Zelda Williams responds, guys, I'm only saying this because I don't think it'll stop until I acknowledge it. Please stop sending me the, quote, test footage. I've seen it. Jamie is super talented. This isn't against him, but y'all spamming me an impression of my late dad on one of his saddest days is weird. <laughs> and I don't think you could put it any better than that. Next up, M. Night Shyamalan's next movie gets a title, Knock at the Cabin. And I hope that they put a dot, dot, dot after cabin because this that is a, that's not a sentence. Yeah, when you said it to me, I was like, knock at the cabin Did you think I like door? accidentally hit enter? <laughs> uh, but I, I will always watch a, watch a Shyamalan movie. Um, the Universal Thriller will hit theaters in February of 2023. Uh, that comes to us from The Hollywood Reporter. Next up, Jamie Lee Curtis walked the red carpet for Halloween Kills dressed as her mom, and has already won the holiday. This is from Slash Film. Screen queen Jamie Lee Curtis walked the red carpet at the costume party premiere of Halloween Kills on Tuesday in a true class and fashion. To promote the latest film in the Halloween franchise, Curtis decided to pay homage, 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 homage to her mother, Janet Lee, who starred in Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Curtis was all smiles while donning a blonde wig, blue dress, and a bloody shower curtain draped over her arm. The reference <laughs> was a loving reminder that she comes from horror royalty and is here to slay. Next, Netflix chief again defends Chappelle's special, content doesn't directly translate to real world harm. This has been news this week, almost as big as Squid Game. The Dave Chappelle special has some controversial things about LGBTQ people and trans people and also cancel culture, which is um, probably only making more people watch it. All right, that comes to us from imdb.com. Next, Tom Holland describes No Way Home as, quote, the end of a franchise. I've heard that before. Yeah, they, they've said that a few times. It's like our retirement tour. No, it's our reunion tour. No, it's our reunion of retirement tour. That's from Comic Book Review. Next up, we've got a uh, late breaking story that Sean sent to me. 
James Gunn and Charlie Kaufman can't make a Cannibal Gilligan's Island reboot for some reason. <laughs> and what's the deal? What's the deal? Apparently with that? in the 90s, Charlie Kaufman pitched an idea to Warner Brothers of making a grim reboot of Gilligan's Island yes. where they begin to starve and they become cannibals. Uh-huh. And at the time, they were... Warner Brothers wasn't into it, but Sherwood, the creator of the show, he said no. He was still mm. alive. Well, now James Gunn's in the picture. They've repitched it, and Warner Brothers is 100% on board, but, the, but Sherwood's estate, uh, estate said yes. no, we will not do this. So he was pretty litigious, like back when he was still alive with the property, like yeah. going so far as to not allow the original Gilligan's Island theme song to be featured in some of the like made for TV movies. Yeah, it, it, as I was reading this, I was like, then why not do like kind of like a Venture Brothers thing where mm -hmm. you kind of spin it and we know what you're doing, yeah. but it's not Gilligan in a name. satire. I think that it could be done and it would be really interesting. Yes. Uh, somewhere in the vein of like a psycho beach party. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, you know, I think Skipper goes first. Yeah, for sure. He's, well, he'll be the tastiest. Right. <laughs> Slow roasted. So, Chelsea, any thoughts on any of those headlines? I want to see the Gilligan's Island cannibal shit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's going to wrap us up on movie news for this week. Do you guys hear something bubbling up from the deep? That must mean it's time for the Department of Corrections Department with Chief Corrections Officer Dana. Before we start, does anyone need a glass of water? Jack Houston is Angelica's nephew. Joe Manganiello was full metal Mickey in Shoplifters of the World. Okay, Chop Shoppers. I don't think I have to fart anymore tonight. See you next time. Ba -da -ba -bum -bum. All right. Thank you, Dana, for that. Um, is everything okay? That was pretty weird. All right. That will close the doors on the Department of Corrections Department for this week, bringing us to the theme of the episode. For the third installment of our annual October Halloween series. Tonight we're going to be discussing kaiju films. Kaiju films. And we in the room know what this is. And most of our listeners are probably aware of this. But we do have to do the obligatory description. Sure. Kaiju literally translates to strange beast in Japanese. It is a Japanese genre of films and television featuring giant monsters. The term kaiju can refer to the giant monsters themselves, which are usually depicted attacking major cities and engaging the military, or other kaiju in battle. The kaiju genre is a subgenre of tokusatsu, special filming entertainment in Japanese cinematic culture. The 1954 film Godzilla is commonly regarded as the first kaiju film. Kaiju characters are often somewhat metaphorical in nature. For example, Godzilla serves as a metaphor for nuclear weapons. Other notable examples of kaiju characters include Rodan, Mothra, King Ghidorah, and Gamera. Sean, give us some examples of what makes a good kaiju movie. When you think of like the Godzilla movies, I think of the... Uh... Matthew Broderick one? No, good God, no. <laughs> no, I think of like the, the Godzilla versus 
Yes. Films. And there's like a long string of them. There's a lot of them. That's bad kaiju in my opinion. Okay. The good kaiju films are the ones and you know, Godzilla is a great example where the focus is on the people, very simple people and their very simple lives that are suddenly just devastated by these chaotic monsters. And as you said, you know, allegories for various things, these, um, the good movies tend to have this, these, these uh, reflections of what happens to be omnipresent at the right. time. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more with some of mm -hmm. our double features Indeed. as well as our casting. I think the ones that are the best are the ones where your focus is on the human element versus the monster of the week versus the right. other monster. Chelsea, any thoughts on the genre? I know you're not super enthused, but can you give us your take? No, because I've never seen any of these and Wrong. I have no desire to. Wrong. You've seen, I've seen King like Kong, one. Right? I've seen King two. Kong? I've seen two. King Kong? You've no. Seen King Kong? It's kind of a kaiju movie. Yeah, I get that, but I have not seen it. I've literally seen like two. She has seen Cloverfield. Cloverfield is the shit, and we will talk about that momentarily. Uh, speaking of, it's time to go into the Midnight Double Feature, and this is where we go around the panel, and we each talk about two pre-selected films that we feel are representative of the genre or maybe related to the genre and that we think would make a good pairing. What have you got for your double feature, sir? Right. I'm calling this double feature Proving Grounds. Okay. These are both films by uh, directors who went on to bigger and better things. Uh, the first of which is from 2010. It's called Monsters. And it is written and directed by Gareth Edwards, who yes. just a couple of years later would be directing Godzilla in 2014. Mm -hmm. He's directed other stuff since Other then. stuff, yes. But this stars our good buddy Scoot McNary. Scoot! And the very cute and very unknown Whitney Abel. Whitney Abel. I'm not familiar. She was his co-star. She was adorably cute. Yeah. And this cute little blonde bob. And They did make a sequel to this movie, and it was not nearly as good. It was as though they saw the potential mm -hmm. of a franchise, and yeah. they're like, let's throw a bunch of money well, at I'm, it. Well, I'm sure they probably missed the point. Right. You know, going back to what I said about the best kaiju films are the ones where there's some sort of social commentary mm -hmm. going on. The human uh, element. Exactly. So, monsters. You're thrown into this world where... There's a swath of the uh, of North America between uh, America and Mexico that's considered the infected zone. Okay, where these aliens have arrived, they look like giant octopus, octopi, um, octopuses. But then the movie gets very small, and you've got Scoot McNary. He is he's working for a a newspaper or a news agency of some sort, and he's being charged with his pub by his publisher to escort his daughter back to America. And that's his job. He's a photojournalist and tough titty boy you're you're gonna go back yeah. to america with with my girl and so it becomes this very uh circuitous way back to america through the back channels of mexico you know it, right the, the the straight up channels of using their bass ports to catch a ferry back That's don't no work go. they've got to take a, a a truck ride with a bunch of uh of uh, almost like guerrilla warfare guys mm -hmm. you know and so it becomes a commentary on how America kind of shits on Mexico. Gotcha. So the the actual uh, subtext of the movie is uh, a little bit more current events-y. Yeah, than... totally. So anyway, I thought it was really cool and I thought it was nice. And then, you know, Gareth Edwards turns around and directs the, the, the Godzilla. Yeah, 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 you were in the, uh, in the ballpark, in the wheelhouse, if you will. Right. So I'm following that up with The Host from 2007. And this is a... Um, 
Bong Joon-ho? Yes, the Our, director of Parasite. Parasite, okay. We know what happened there. I mean, you know, the, the guy won an Oscar with mm-hmm. that. And there are some footprints of his directorial style in this movie. Um, we're dealing with a South Korean family. There's a creature that emerges from the tainted waters due to America's uh, military negligence. They dump waste into the waters. It really focuses on this uh, this family, the daughter who gets taken by the uh, the kaiju. Yet she has a cell phone, so she's able to communicate with her dad to let him know that she's alive. And it becomes the family pulling together to kind of see what they can do to get to her. And I can see some similar themes. And and in the midst of all of this crazy, dire straits scenario, there's humor. I want my... Shut up. <laughs> I want my kaiju films. I walked into it. I walked you into it. You said dire straits, dude. But seriously, it has the same stamp that Parasite does in terms of the humor element. Mm -hmm. And if you've never seen The Host, I strongly recommend this one. This one's great. I have not seen it. It's been on my radar for a long time and I've not gotten around to it, but your recommendation might put me over the fence. Yeah, it's great. It's Like I said, both of these directors, you can see the wheels turning in their heads as to what they're going to do later. Fantastic. All right, over to me. I'm going with a... A couple of American takes on the kaiju genre. And uh, the first one is going to be Cloverfield from 2008. And it was directed by Matt Reeves, who also directed Let Me In, the um, American remake of Let the Right One In. He directed Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and the upcoming The Batman. It was produced by Bad Robot. And so here is the tagline. Something has found us. Five young New Yorkers throw their friend a going away party the night that the monster the size of a skyscraper descends upon the city. Told from the viewpoint of their video camera, the film is a document of their attempt to survive the most surreal, horrifying event of their lives. And so I watched this when it came out. It spawned a franchise, which are all very unrelated. This stands out as one of the better found footage movies of the past era in found footage movies. I agree. It's really good. And going back to what you were saying about the human element, you see only blips and glimpses of the actual monster in this movie. It's mostly the testimonials of people at the going away party and then their reaction to the destruction that's happening in lower Manhattan and shout out TJ Miller, (laughs) TJ Miller, the shit put him on the map. But you're also saying, you know, nine 11. Yes. uh, So the the allegory, uh, seven years after nine 11 is when this came out. And the um, destruction that you see in Manhattan is a little bit too close to home. Mm-hmm. There's one specific scene where the head of the Statue of Liberty lands on like 56th Street or something like right downtown. And there's dust everywhere. There's um, military and firefighters and ambulances. And it, I think that that is part of the reason that it was so impactful at the time. So I'm going to pair that with a much more recent film. Uh, eight years later from 2016, it's called Colossal. And this was directed by Nacho Vigilando, who also did Time Crimes. Do you remember oh, talking love, about Time Crimes? Time Crimes. He also directed Extraterrestrial, which we at least looked at a couple weeks ago or last week. 
Uh, this has an 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. Tagline, there's a monster in all of us. And so Gloria is an out-of-work party girl who leaves New York and moves back to her hometown after getting kicked out of her apartment by her boyfriend. When news reports surface that a giant creature is destroying Seoul, South Korea, Gloria gradually comes to the realization that she is somehow connected to this far-off phenomenon. As events begin to spiral out of control, she must figure out why her seemingly insignificant existence is having such a such a colossal uh, effect on the fate of the world. Name of the movie. They said it. And so I watched this. I checked it in on April 27th of 2017. And I said, in essence, a kaiju film, but heavier metaphors abound. Outstanding. And I also want to mention that her co-star in this is Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, you didn't even say who the lead was. Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway plays Gloria. So that's going to be my uh, double feature of American kaiju films set in New York and which are also metaphors for heavier things. Got it. That brings us to our feature segment, which is colloquially known as The Recast. And this is where we take a movie that we've all watched in advance. Except me. And then we uh, talk about it a little bit and then we hypothetically recast a few of the lead roles with contemporary actors who are at the height of their powers. And so we're going with the OG one here or the GO one here. We're talking about Godzilla, the 1954 original directed by Ishiro Honda. It's got a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. Godzilla, a weapon of science. A Great Battle of Wonder and Terror. Okay. Oh, wow. Wow. A fire-breathing behemoth terrorizes Japan after an atomic bomb awakens it from its centuries-old sleep. So Godzilla, or Gojira, as it would be pronounced in Japanese, uh, is a fictional monster, or kaiju, originally originating from a series of Japanese films. The character first appeared in the 1954 film Godzilla and became a worldwide pop culture icon, appearing in various media, including 32 films produced by Toho, four Hollywood films, and numerous video games, novels, comic books, and television shows. Godzilla has been dubbed, quote, the King of the Monsters, a phrase first used in Godzilla King of the Monsters in 1956 and the Americanized version of that film. Gojira is a portmanteau of the Japanese words gorira, which means gorilla, and Kujira, which means whale, owing to the fact that in one planning stage, Godzilla was described as, quote, a cross between a gorilla and a, and a whale due to its size, power, and aquatic origin. So what do you, what do you think about the 1954 film, Sean? I thought it was awesome. Uh, much like you said with uh, Cloverfield being so soon after 9-11, this was nine years after Hiroshima and right. Nagasaki. So that's a pretty fresh wound. Yeah, it's a, a poignant theme. And that really hit home with with watching this this mm-hmm. past week. But also, again, what I was saying about making the movie small to make the monster bigger, mm-hmm. setting it on an outlying island from Japan to begin with. I think Oja, I think was the name of the island. Okay. Um, 
that really made it feel even bigger because these were very simple people, simple lives. You could cross the island in one sprint. You know? Right. So I thought it was really cool. I liked yeah. it a lot. I uh, I enjoy this movie. I um, enjoyed it more than the Americanized revamp Ugh. called Godzilla King of the Monsters in 1956. Also known as Godzilla versus Perry Mason. And they just took footage stock footage from the first film and like rearranged it with perry mason in there doing all of his faces yeah raymond burr's just raymond like standing burr. there he's either looking up or looking down and they didn't even bother to to subtitle the japanese parts and i know this is true because i watched it on criterion channel yeah it's pretty bad if there if there was subtitles they would have had it all right let's get into the roles that we're going to recast first we've got hideto ogata who was played by akira takarada and he was 20 at the time. Then we've got Emiko Yamane, played by Momoku Kochi. And she was 22 at the time. Then we've got Dr. Desuke Serizawa, played by Akihiko Hirata, who was 25 at the time. And then finally, we've got Dr. Kyohei Yamane, played by Takashi Shimura who was 49 at the time. Does that all sound right? That's correct. Wonderful. And my pronunciation was spot on. No comment. Over to you, Sean. Who is your pick for the role of Hideto Ogata? Well, one thing I've noticed about the kaiju films of America is that people of color do not play a role in a lot of these movies. I mean... Except for the, the one guy in the most recent Godzilla films. Yeah. That's about it. So I'm not saying that my entire recast are, are people of color, but it did kind of weigh heavily on my uh Okay, I got you. I today. went a different route, but go ahead. Uh, my actor playing the uh, the role of Hadito, he's 22 years old. He was in uh, Black Narcissus, the, uh, the remake of the classic film. He's in Doctors. He's in Informer. And he's currently in the series Sex Education. His name is Chenille Coulard. Okay. Chenille is that the one with Gillian Anderson, that show? Is she the sex educator in Sex Education? I think that might be right. I think it is. My actor is 27 now. He was in Vikings, The Twins and Santa Claus, and Cold at the Summit. His name is Alex Hull Anderson, and he's Danish. Okay. Over to you. All right, so our next... Next up, we've got uh, the role of Emiko Yamane, played by Momoku Kochi. Momoko. Yeah. So she's the uh, the daughter of Dr. Yamane. Mm-hmm. And so she's kind of like a catalyst for all of this. Indeed. She was 22 at the time. Yeah. So I went with an actress from North Carolina. She's 22. She was uh, in the TV series Constantine. Mm-hmm. She was in a recent segment of the Shudder series Creepshow. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was in the CW series Black Lightning. And she can be seen in the series Outer Banks. Oh, I like that show. Her name is Madison Bailey. Yeah. Kiara from Mad- from Outer Banks. Good job. Filmed right here in South Carolina. Okay, my next pick is uh, for the role of Emiko. I went with a 28-year-old actress. Um, she's in Stranger Things and Teen Land and also a movie called Devs, D-E-V-S. 
She's Danish. Her name is Linnea Berthelsen. Linnea Berthelsen is my pick. I think I see what you've done. Hmm. Next up, we've got uh, Dr. Desuke Serezawa, played by Akihiko Hirata, who is 25. AKA Eyepatch. Eyepatch. And I'm really hoping that you at least drew a little eye patch. On I did not. Picture. I did not. No. Uh, this, of course, is the guy who developed the awful uh, process of liquefying the oxygen out of water, which is what suffocates and drowns Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, I'm sorry. What? Yeah. Uh, um, no, no. You should have watched the movie. We mm-hmm. could have had a whole discussion. You have some, some chemist questions? No, no, no. Nope. She does not get to chime in. I, I wouldn't even entertain that. <laughs> so my actor, he is, uh, he's 27 years old. Actually, he's going to be 27 in December. Uh, he was in this, he was in Montana. He was in Wolf Blood. He was in Shank. And he also can be seen in the series Sex Education. His name is Kidar Williams Sterling. Two people from the show Sex Education or more than two? Just coincidentally. Okay, coincidentally. All right. Well, my actor is 31 now. He was in True Blood. He played Roderick in True Blood. Okay. He was in Skame Dater and <laughs> Farsh Drenje. Oh, my God. Also, Cold Hawaii. I know that one. Uh, his name's Alan Hyde. Alan Hyde is a Danish actor. I bet I He's can... going to don an eye patch. I bet I can guess your last pick, but okay. You can't. Okay. I almost went there, but I Okay, didn't. you did not. All right. Speaking of the last role, it is Dr. Kiyohe Yamane, played by Takashi Shimura. And he was 49 at the time. This guy's a legend in film. Yes. Um, worked with Kurosawa. Yeah, Seven Samurai. He was also in um, Roshaman. Yes. So, oh, great movie. Yeah. So this guy has acting chops drink. Drink uh, it. So I'm with a 50-year-old actor who's got some chops of his own, and he looks like he could be Madison Bailey's father. Uh, he was in The Predator. He was in Tomorrowland. He was in Let's Be Cops, and he was in the film Keanu. Yes. It's Keegan-Michael Key. Yes. That's awesome, dude. I was just uh, doing a deep dive on uh, Key and Peele. Uh, not just not just watching the show, but like looking into their like background because I knew they were on Mad TV together, but I was looking in to see like what they did before that, and they were both in separate things. Uh, so my pick for Doctor Yamane is forty eight now. He was in The Guilty, the twenty eighteen Danish version of The Guilty that the Jake Gyllenhaal movie is a remake of. <laughs> Jesus. He's in Those Who Kill and The Sandham Murders. His name is Jacob Sedergren. Jacob Sedergren is going to be my pick for this role. It's probably Jakob. Jakob. I like yeah, it. I really wanted to go Mads Mikkelsen. I, I was thinking you really do, wanted I, I was to. Or a Skarsgård. I was thinking Mads Mikkelsen. They're all Danish. And so we should mention the thing where um, when I watched the movie reptilicus my review was that why should japan get all of the kaiju give some to sweden and it was actually denmark yes so that's on me so that's why i did my theme tonight so uh in this one 
it's all Danish actors. And in the Danish movie, it's going to be all Japanese actors. Of course, of course. So, any final thoughts on the original Godzilla, Sean? It's amazing. And it's it's sad that it kind of took such a dive into schlockiness yeah. after that. But, you know, whatever. It, it, it's an institution of its own, though. That, um, I'm, I'm not going to check it in for our marathon tonight, but that documentary I watched, uh, Hail the King, yeah, about this guy who does a kaiju podcast. His whole podcast is about kaiju, and he kickstarted a documentary and he goes to Japan and he goes to Toho and he goes and talks to all these young filmmakers and about like what their opinion of kaiju film is and where they think it needs to go moving forward. And the consensus seemed to be that there needs to be a combination of practical and digital effects. Of course. With that, we're going to head into intermission, but not before we say, let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby and get ourselves some sea monkeys, some giant prawns. Giant prawns. Oh my God. And for those of you just tuning in, you're listening to the Chop Shop Morning Zoo on WCCS 85.5 FM, The Shop, with Travisito, the brew boss, and me, Chelsea, the regulator, where we'll be breaking down the recast of your precious childhood movies. All All morning morning long. And if you can't listen on your toilet or in your car, just search for Cinema Chop Shop on podbean.com. And it came to pass that the Lord Pod saith unto the chop shoppers to go forth, to rate, to review, and to subscribe to Cinema Chop Shop on all of your social media and your podcaster apps. Now it's about time for the holy sacrament of a beer check-in. You too can follow the path to Cinema Chop Shop on Untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D. Everyone, hallelujah! Hallelujah. Praise Jesus! Amen. Well, hello there, all you naughty chop shoppers. So, you like to listen? Oh, you're bad. Wouldn't you also love to see all of our hot pictures and posts on our very own social media? Just search for Cinema Chop Shop on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you think you can handle it. This weekend on CCS Wrestling. Woo! If you miss this event, you suck. Woo! It'll be the ultimate recasting extravaganza you have ever seen. Between the challenger. Trontastic Ron. I'm going to rip his face off. Woo! And the defending champ. Little Thanos. You ain't got nothing, brother. I can't stop saying woo! It's an actual medical condition. So if you've got a problem with that, we'll see you in Gmail, where you can send us comments, corrections, concerns, and complaints. That's cinemachopshop at gmail.com. Do you need a used movie? Good credit, bad credit, no credit, no problem. Come on down to Wacky Trav's Cinema Chop Shop Blowout Sale. He's He's out out of of his his mind. mind. Where we can guarantee you, you'll go home happy. 
Social security number, criminal background check, and blood sample required. Side effects may include euphoria, hallucinations, and delusions of grandeur. So please remember to watch Chop Retrofit. And we're back. Thank you for bearing with us, Chop Shoppers. We just had to uh, take a brief intermission. But when we come back from intermission, Sean, what do we like to do? Beer check-ins. And you've got something special for us, right? Yeah, these aren't on theme, except uh, one of them is called Over Burning Ground. Oh, well, I mean, that could happen if yeah. the Godzilla burns the ground. But it's from New Anthem Brewing in Wilmington, North Carolina. And uh, this is a recent uh, acquisition for our little town, right? Yeah, yeah. The distribution's finally reached us. And uh, this is their Citra India Pale Ale. And All right, I would love to try that. Boy, am I. You're, you're in for a treat. Citra India Pale Ale. So would we call this a West Coast? No, no. It's or just, just a no, straight no. IPA? Oh, this is straight New England style okay. IPA with Citra hops. Okay. Yeah, I can see the lighter color and the haze. The haze is beautiful. It's, oh, wow. That's delicious. So while we enjoy that, Sean, would you like to get into the 2021 movie marathon? Yeah, I bet Chelsea wants to do some of that too. Special announcement. Maybe. Special announcement. I caught up. Today is the 288th day of the year as of this recording. Hooray! And I'm on 288. Hooray! I could have even done one more. I could have gone over, but I didn't. I'm on 319. Chelsea? 345. 345. How are you going backwards? What's going on? I didn't go backwards. Is Mercury in retrograde? So what is your first checking going to be, Chelsea? I watched the HBO documentary. Um, what happened, Brittany, Brittany Murphy? Brittany versus Spears. No, what happened, I Brittany Murphy? That. Yeah, what happened, Brittany Murphy? And um, I can tell it was really exciting. <laughs> I'm sorry. It, it really was. It was just more of sort of what I thought. I think Honestly. it was probably the the uh, strain of the production schedule of the movie Eight Mile. Probably. But it was really interesting to have the doctors that performed the autopsies mm -hmm. and not so much what they found, but what they didn't find. Would you say that they were clueless? No, but they debunked a lot of the conspiracies that exist around it. So. Fair. Fair. And then her husband's mom and brother speak in it. And I can, as a mom, 100% understand why his mom answered the way she did. Okay. He's a bit of an embarrassment. I'm sure she's mortified, but at the end of the day, that's her son. He's a con man. Well, it sounds like I need to watch this movie. Yeah, I'm trying not to give any. Guys are, yeah, not trying to give about. anything away, and that's so, all. So you would recommend it to the Chop yeah. Choppers? Oh, yeah, for sure. Check it out. And it's on Netflix? HBO, HBO Max. HBO Max. All right, over to you, Brew Boss. What do you got? Well, this just broke today on Peacock and in theaters. It's Halloween Kills. Halloween Kills. We talked about this in movie news. This is the feel good movie of the Halloween season. <laughs> uh, I'll just read you my Twitter review. There you go. How do you spell the sound of a balloon deflating? Uninspired, rambling mess, randomly jumping from one unnecessary scene to another, all while Jamie does her acting from a hospital bed. Oh. Well, that's disappointing. It's very disappointing. I thought, I mean, and I didn't love the previous one, but I thought it was okay. I kind of dug the the generational, uh, mother, you know, grandmother, mother, daughter kind of thing. Yeah. Boy, this movie sucked. Gordon Green. Yeah. Uh, something of that nature. Yeah. yeah. 
I was very disappointed. Hmm. It was, it's just kind of chaotic. There's way too many scene changes that don't make any sense. And they've already got one more under production. Like, and I don't, I'm not going to give anything away for anybody who's really chomping at the bit to see this, but there's a mob mentality to it that I was like, like a purge. No, 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 no. There's, you'll, you'll know it when you see it. And I was like, well, you kind of did the job, but you obviously didn't. I heard a rumor that the next one is going to be about not only surviving Michael Myers, but the COVID pandemic. That That's not a joke. I, okay. I literally heard that. I'm waiting for your punchline. Okay. All right. Well, I've got one uh, that is my review is a spoiler. Uh, so if you don't want to get the spoiler and it's, it's a nuanced spoiler, but if you don't want the spoiler, go ahead and fast forward about 10 seconds. Well, what's the movie? It's called Old Henry, number 279. And this is a movie that could have been called Young Guns 3, Old Guns. <laughs> it stars Delmar from, from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh, yeah. Um, him. Yeah, three-name guy. I can never remember his name. He was also uh, in the recent Coen Brothers Western comedy. You know who I'm talking about. He was in The Watchmen. Yes. Uh, he He's in this and watched the movie. It's good. Okay. I recommend it. All right. Chelsea, Chelsea you got another one? I watched uh, Britney versus Spears. Okay. Didn't you talk about that last week? No. Well, no, because I mm-mm. I watched it on Saturday. What happened to Britney Murphy versus Spears? It's not what I watched, but... Aries um, Spears. This one was sad because it's like people from her team that were with her, like when all of this shit was going on, like telling how she wanted out of it so badly. Yes. And like the lengths that they would go to, like mm-hmm. it, it's like a fucking spy movie and it, yeah. it's insane. Cloak and dagger subterfuge had some sources that had given people a ton of actual evidence to show that she's not as crazy as everybody made her out to be. And well, she was living in a fishbowl. It's really, really heartbreaking. And also a recommendation yeah for All sure right. that's two wrecks from c murder over to you sean i'm checking in a film from 1978 that fucked me up as a child called patrick uh the starfish movie nope it's a uh, an australian film about, about patrick swayze when he goes out into that giant wave and never comes back nope he is a uh disturbed young man who kills his mother and her boyfriend, I guess. I don't know if it's her fa- his father, but he kills them and promptly goes into a comatose state and spends the next three years in a hospital. Comatose or catatonic? Catatonic. Okay. He's awake. But non-responsive. The only thing he does is spits, which they say is like an electrochemical kind of hmm. response. But they said he was brain dead. Yeah, they were like, he's brain dead. He's like on a... a, a but it's also brain. 1975. What did they know? 78. Anyway. Um, but it was one of the movies I saw as a kid. He has telekinetic, or they call it psychokinetic capabilities. There's a Fuck nurse. Yeah. There's a nurse that kind of takes an interest in him, and he begins communicating with her by taking over a typewriter and uh, fucking with her life and fucking with her relationships. It's way high on the melodrama scale. Okay, um, had it been done properly, this could actually be an interesting premise. But uh, yeah, the ending kind of screwed me up as a kid and I still remember it I remembered it crystal clear because when the 
scene hit, I was like, yep, that's what I remembered. So, uh, yeah, bizarre. Same, same way I feel about the uh, Disney film um, Watcher in the Woods. Yikes. Who <laughs> scared the shit out of me, man. All right. So my next check-in is going to be South of Heaven. We mentioned Jason Sudeikis yeah. earlier. This is a movie that he made between seasons of Ted Lasso. Hardworking man. And I wasn't sure to expect or what to expect, but it turns out I really enjoyed it, especially the final act. And just a glossing over the premise, we've got a man who uh, is released early from prison. And the reason that he's released early, this is revealed right away, is that the love of his life has terminal cancer. And so he wants to give her the best last year of her life but things get in the way that's that's all i'm gonna say about it it's very good i recommend it you got another one chelsea i do not over to you sean okay i'm gonna check in being on theme i'm checking in um shin godzilla yes i've seen this this is from 2016 this is a japanese reboot of mm-hmm. godzilla some really cool shit that they I tried. liked it. I yeah. liked it better than the American reboot. Absolutely. In my review, I said, if the latest American reboot of Godzilla had followed this path, it would have been better. I really like the tangled web of um, political ass kissers. Yep. And the, the military dolts that are always trying to put their own self-interest in their yeah. careers ahead of everything else. It's like they exacerbate the problem because yep. they're so fucking selfish. And it's a great... It's a great snapshot of politics. Yeah, when ego gets in the way. Absolutely. But on the kaiju side of things, it's really fucking cool because he comes up from the depths half-formed. I'm like, at, at first I was like, what is this goofy-looking thing? It doesn't even look like Godzilla, but you can see the spines. Mm-hmm. He's gradually... Incubating. Incubating. He's forming. His arms are growing. That was fucking cool. I yeah. really, really like that take going from the political side. Well, his body can't support the weight, so he's just going to stay in the water. It's going to be okay. Boom. He's out of the water. Yeah. Oh, fuck. We were wrong. Yes. It's such a great... Um, you know, <laughs> COVID. That's a great example. Well, okay. you know, it's just over there in China. It's going to yeah. be fine. Well, when the weather heats up, it's, it's going to go, go away. away. Exactly. I like that movie a lot. Yeah, I'm go glad see that it. you checked see that See it in. if you have not seen that. My final check-in for today is going to be a movie called The Nowhere In. This is number 288 for me. It's from 2020. And it is a trippy meta mockumentary written by and starring St. Vincent and Carrie Brownstein. I saw you check this in earlier today. So the premise is that St. Vincent wants to make a documentary about herself as she's on this tour. So she hires her best friend, Carrie Brownstein, to direct it. And Carrie Brownstein is bored with how normal annie clark is in real life okay when she's not being saint vincent i got it okay and so she pushes her and pushes her and then saint vincent goes full fucking on saint vincent like all the time and it basically becomes like a psychological thriller oh wow okay i'm interested very cool all right, so that's going to wrap us up on the 2021 Movie Marathon for this week. And once again, we check those in with the hashtag 2021 Movie Marathon on uh, Twitter and Letterboxd and stuff like that. And Chelsea keeps track of hers on OneNote. No, I don't. Microsoft OneNote. 
I check it in on Letterbox. Moving it into the second part of our feature segment, the recast part two. Continued. The recast returns. (laughs) And we're talking about a movie called Reptilicus. (laughs) Reptilicus from 1961. It was directed by Paul Bong and Sidney W. Pink. It's got a 27% on Rotten Tomatoes, guys. Too high. A little generous. Yeah, yeah. A little generous. My, my There's review. certain points <laughs> in where you can see them like using like dowels to strut up the monster's head. My review, there's something rotten in the state of Denmark, and it's this movie. My tagline that I have for you is invincible, indestructible. What was this awesome beast born 50 million years out of time? Question mark. Oh my there God. has to be something lost in translation there. <laughs> uh, so Copenhagen is terrorized by a prehistoric beast that has regenerated itself from a recently discovered tail segment. There is a MST3K out there about this. And I think that you had seen this that previously. You remembered some At segments. At least part of it. I remember the goofy dolt that was reaching his hand into the electric eel aquarium. Rock me like an electric eel. So the movie's not great. No. But it is an attempt by another country to kind of capture that kaiju magic and... uh, Boy, they really flubbed it. Co-opt it. They flubbed it. Yes. So any other thoughts? Well, there's this one scene where the uh, kaiju leaves Copenhagen and goes out in the countryside and steps on this poor farm family's house yep. and eats the uh, uh, patriarch of the family. And it's just like this rubber puppet. And then they took footage of a guy, I guess, on a table, just kind of waving his arms and legs. And it's very poorly cut out. It is. And, and the movie itself is poorly cut. And it's like this. It, so it looks like this rubber monster eating an animated paper doll. It's awful. So the, um, basically Anomalisa. (laughs) All right. So the roles that we're going to recast are General Mark Grayson, played by Carl Otteson. Otteson? He was 43 at the time. We've got Lisa Martins, played by Anne Smyrner. Smyrner. We've got Karen Martins, played by Mimi Heinrich. And we've got Professor Otto Martins, played by Osbjorn Andersen. I think I did pretty good on this. I think you did all right, man. And so, uh, Sean, who is your pick for General Mark Grayson? All right. So this guy's way too old for the role, but he definitely... he's definitely um got the face value for this okay uh he was in running scared he was in lord of the rings mm-hmm. and he was in the tv series fringe i went with john noble john noble now he wasn't one of the main characters in fringe because yeah he was the do- he was the doctor oh, he's he was, the main dude yeah he was he was, oh, okay. he was josh jackson's dad he's fringe yeah he is fringe dr fringe they have the okay. same nose gotcha all right, well, my actor uh, is a um, a man from Japan. He's 47 now. He was in a movie called Mongol. 
He was in Mortal Kombat, the 2021 version. Okay. 47 Ronin and Ichi the Killer. Has anybody seen Ichi the Killer? I've not, but I want to. Very good Japanese serial killer movie. Uh, His name is Taranobu Asano. Taranobu Asano. All right. He can pull it off. Sure. And once again, I'm doing the switcheroo. Yes. Where I do all Japanese actors in the Danish movie, and I did all Danish actors. Is everybody we're all on the same up. page? We're yes. All okay. Up. Okay. Uh, so next up, we've got Lisa Martins, played by Anne Schmierner. She was 27 at the time. Who do you got? I guess they were there as eye candy, the two sisters, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't like the candy in Denmark. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they're not known for their candy. <laughs> all right. So they're known uh, for like pickled herring or some shit. <laughs> So I went with an actress. Uh, she was in Take the Lead. She was in Suicide Kale. She was in She's Out of My League. Mm-hmm. And she was also in the TV series Fringe as Astrid. I went with Jessica Nicole. Okay. Are you doing a Fringe theme? No, I'm not. This just, is just some weird coincidence. Some, you have multiple yeah. people in the Well, same. you know, some things lead me to other things. And... Fair enough. Uh, any thoughts so far, Chelsea? Uh, no, not really. Okay. You know you have a button. Um, Sean, are we ready to check in that next beer? Sure, if you're empty. I'm empty. Uh, this is from New Anthem as well. It's called 11th and Folsom. I'm only assuming that's an intersection in Wilmington. Well, it better be. But it is their uh, IPA with Citra, Mosaic, and Strata Hops. Mm-hmm. So why don't you drain your glass? It's... Pay no attention to the screaming children outside. There's just a large, oversized monster rampaging through the neighborhood. I'm going to let that settle down a little bit. Let's get into the next role. We've got Karen Martins, played by Mimi Heinrich, who was 25 at the time. And who have you got for this, Sean? I went with an actress who was in Pompeii. Mm -hmm. She's in the most recent Evil Dead TV series. She was in The Covenant. And she was in Cloverfield. There you go. Her name is Jessica Lucas. Okay, who is she in Cloverfield? In Cloverfield, she was Lily. Ah, okay. So she is the main dude's brother's girlfriend. So I have a Jessica and a Jessica. My pick is 23 now. She's in Natsuzora, Nemesis, and Your Lie in April. Her name is Suzo... Hirose. There she is. Oh, she's pretty. She's also very surprised. Oh, yeah. Like her counterpart. Mm-hmm. All right. We've got one more. Is that correct? Yes. And that is Professor Otto Martins, who is played by Osbjorn Andersen. And he was 58 at the time. And who were you thinking about for this, Sean? I went with an actor who's got quite the resume. He was in Mystic River. He was in uh, Blackish. Mm-hmm. He's going to be in the upcoming Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. What? Uh, he's in the upcoming. That sounds like a kaiju movie. He's in the upcoming McGruber TV series. McGruber! He was in uh, Apocalypse Now. And no. he was in The Matrix with Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne. Holy moly, dude. That was a wide swath of. Uh, eras that you just named for his filmography. He covers the white swath. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my Professor Otto Martins 
is 61 now. He was in 47 Ronin, The Last Samurai, Mortal Kombat, and Rush Hour 3. His name is Hiroyuki Sanada. Hiroyuki Sanada is my pick. Very nice. Oh, yeah. He's good. He's yeah. really talented. So I um, think that a lot of these picks of mine were overlaps from like our Japanese movies and our samurai <laughs> movies. And that's okay. It's a, um, it's a shallow well to, to draw from at least for our American tendencies, but it should be bigger. These, these, uh, that's what she said Japanese actors. Thank you. These <laughs> Japanese actors are, uh, they're doing good things. And the, the film culture that has come out of Japan in the past 50 years has been significant. Yes, and Reptilicus is a horrible, horrible example of kaiju films. Yeah, don't don't watch Reptilicus. This is not a recommend, but sometimes you gotta make fun of a, a dumb movie on shit like this, right? Oh, sure. I mean, there are plenty we could have picked from that are dumb. We do have a final bonus segment, and it's gonna be a battle royale between the big four of Toho, Toho Kaiju Films. And it is between Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, and shit, what's that last one? Oh, no, it's Rodan. Rodan, yes. So you did not pick Gamera, the Tuscan turtle. <laughs> I did not pick Gamera. I, I think this is the big four, right? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, I Unless always you count King Kong. Gamera, I always put in, but that's uh, uh, Godzilla. You're going Godzilla. Why? Because he's the king of the monsters. He's that's the, the name of the of fucking the movie. Monsters. But seriously, I mean, uh, the, the how the, many heads does he have? One. The whole. How many heads does King Ghidorah have? Like three. Yeah. No, that's Rodan. Oh, Rodan. How many heads does he have? three uh but like do we know that rodan is a he i don't look rodan can be whatever they want to be Mm -hmm. chelsea how do you feel about this ignorance is bliss fair enough but you know you know godzilla became the the champion of of japan Mm -hmm. over time he was the terror of japan but then by the end of the whole toho run yes he was their protector so it's interesting that you say that because i'm picking mothra Okay. Because Mothra is a outlier in these kaiju in that Mothra was usually not a antagonist. No, Mothra had its own had his own film. Right. Mothra was usually a protagonist if not a um conscientious objector. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you want to see something really weird, watch Godzilla versus Hedora. Okay. It came out in 1971. It's it's psychedelic, straight out of San Francisco, Hate Ashbury. Nice. And Hedora is a uh, monster that was born of pollution and our and our inability to control our consumerist glut of just throwing shit in the in the water. We are gluttonous. All right, it's time to wrap it up. I want to thank you, Chelsea, for all of the hard work and research that you put. Oh in my God, week. you're so welcome. And uh, do you have anything you want to plug? Trivia. Trivia is coming up this week. There will be a break the week after that on the 27th. We've got some shit going on. Woo-woo. 
Um, we want to thank my co-host and co-producer, the engineer of this very podcast, The Brew Boss. How we doing, sir? I'm great. Thank you for doing what you do. Anything you want to plug? I want to plug my friend's podcast, I'm Fine. Which we may do a crossover episode or some sort of collaboration. I think so. We're going to try to work that up. But uh, Thomas Webb and his co-host, and forgive me, I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Oh, last name is Hasty or something. Yeah, Jennifer Hasty. Hasty? I think so. Oh, Ghidorah so Hasty. So sorry. But uh, great podcast about grief. It's wonderful. And there's a little bit of humor involved, too. It's not a downer. It's... I mean, if you can't laugh, then... It's a beautiful exploration. Yeah. Check it out and hopefully we'll have them on the show. And once again, the name of that podcast is I'm fine. I'm fine. And do you know what next week's episode is? It's a watch party. It's a watch party. And can I, can I spoil it? You can. We're watching Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> <laughs> Shaun of the Dead. It fits right in with our Halloween theme. And oh, you've got some red on you. You've got red on you. <laughs> it's not on me. So, 2004's, this is your question, your sneak preview question and answer for this upcoming week's trivia. 2004's Shaun of the Dead is considered to be director Edgar Wright's first professional feature film. However, he did write and direct an amateur film in 1995. What was the title of that film? Ooh. I don't think I know this one. Uh, me neither. So I'll give you a hint. It is a parody of spaghetti westerns. I'm I'm dry, dude. I I literally have no idea. No, you nailed it. It's called I'm Dry, Dude. Oh no. shit! <laughs> a fistful of fingers. <laughs> All right. I've heard of that actually. A okay. fistful of fingers. It's not terrible. Okay. Okay. All right. Oh, man. I'm excited now. You're excited about the watch party? Fuck yeah, dude. Excellent. Seen this movie Every so time they times. say Sean, Sean, we have to drink. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We want to plug the podcast itself. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on all of your podcatcher apps or wherever you find podcasts. Please find Cinema Chop Shop on there. Rate, review, and subscribe. We're hosted on Podbean on the internet we're cinema chop shop on there we are at cinema chop shop on twitter we are cinema chop shop on facebook we're at cinema chop shop on instagram we're cinema chop shop at gmail.com for emails and we are cinema chop shop on untapped that's u-n-t-a-p-p-d and also if it manages to migrate its way over there this episode should be available in audio form with a sweet picture on YouTube. We are Cinema Chop Shop Podcast on there. Finally, farewell. Thank you, the listeners, the chop shoppers out there. Don't forget to get that vax. Otherwise, social distance and keep wearing that mask. And please remember to watch Chop Retrofit. retrofit.